This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's Obehave with Arden Moore. This show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, listeners, we've aired more than 300 episodes of this show, and we reach more than 750,000 of you all over the world. Yeah, we've had very famous actors, and we've had top dogs in the pet world. But I do believe our guest today has accomplished so much in more diverse fields than any other guest. He is a true renaissance man, and he is a major advocate for pets. You guys know him. You know him. That's because he's appeared on many popular television shows, and he currently stars on not one, but two shows. He is an actor, a musician, an artist, and so much more. I want us all to join in giving pause and applause to Michael McGrady. Hey, welcome to the show, Michael. Oh, thanks for ha- having me. I don't know. That's a pretty hard thing to follow. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about <laughs> I'd like that. To thank, I'd like to thank <laughs> the Academy and Pet Life Radio. Well, come on. It's all true, right? Well, I don't know. You have to tell me what information you got. I'll tell you it's true or not. <laughs> That's right. Well, but, yeah, I'm next- pretty much. I mean, I just, I've been really fortunate in my life to, you know, kind of always goes back to that, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. I mean, you know, my cancer scare, right? When that happened, I was 19, and I just made a very deliberate decision that I wasn't I wasn't going to let grass grow under my feet. I really wanted to get out and enjoy life and take a big bite out of that apple and uh, and not slow down with no limits, no fear. Just see what happens. And, you know, just like, uh, just kept picking up new things, new activities, new sports, new friends, with myself in new environments. And uh, although it was risky and it was scary at times, I didn't know if I was doing the right thing, making the right decisions. I look back on it now and that sort of freestyle lifestyle has kind of really informed who I am today, <laughs> both as an actor and a musician and whatever, you know. Yeah, Real exactly. Much. And you are one of the few people I know that can put a capital can in cancer. And, and we're going to find out more about Michael, but you guys know the drill. we got to take a quick commercial break. You need to sit and stay, and we'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Obehave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Yes, we have actor Michael McGrady in the house. Now, my last name is Moore, but this dude should be Michael McGrady Moore because you've done it all. You hang glide, you're in a band. Sure, you act. You're a good guy as a father and a husband. You got a cat and a dog. I was like looking at all the stuff that you do. Oh, and not just one, guys, but two different degrees of black belt and two different karates, right? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty busy, I must say, when you put it like that. Well, that's all right. You're getting the most out of life. And let's bring you back to when you were younger and you did get the melanoma diagnosis. That's not something you, I guess you were trying, you were thinking about becoming a lawyer and you had this whole thing mapped out and then cancer came along. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, oddly enough, uh, I actually dealt with it uh, the year previous. Uh, my father was diagnosed with uh, melanoma as well, malignant melanoma, when I was around 17. He oh, uh, fought it for about two years. And when he finally went in for a chemo treatment, he picked up meningitis while in the hospital. And that's ultimately what took him down. But that was due to the complications of the chemo and the melanoma. So, you know, you can imagine a year later when my mom and I hear that I, too, have the same problem. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. My father had, and, and ironically, almost exactly in the same spot. Where was that? Oh, okay. It was a little scary, you know. I, mean, I was nineteen, or I was seven. What was I? Eighteen at the time. Just turned eighteen, and or nineteen, I guess it was. Yeah, and just finished up my last year of school. And you know, my mom noticed that when I came back for spring break. I went to the University of Cincinnati, my first year of school, and she saw it during. Uh, actually, I think it was Christmas break, and she said, "I want you to go and get that checked." And like a fool, I did. I was a young man. I didn't really want to find out that you know they had to do surgery, so I I just kind of blew it off. And uh, when I came back for summer, she noticed it was still there, and she asked me if I ever went in. I said, no, I didn't. So when I went in, the doctors told me you should have been here six months ago uh, when I first showed up. But long story short, yeah, at 19 years old, when the doctor's sitting there and telling you you may not see the age of 23, we'll know in five years. There's a five-year window that we've got to check your blood count and your platelets and, you know, and stuff. It's, it's a very profound experience for a young man who's got his whole life ahead of him. And then they just being so close to home with my father passing away one year earlier, it was very, almost felt inevitable that I would too eventually, you know, from this thing. So, Your dad, do a shout out, is was George, right? What was he like? Yeah, my dad, yeah. he. My dad was a renaissance man, you know, oddly enough. Now, when I look back on it, because, you know, people have called me that, and I, I kind of know what it means, you know, historically and everything. But when I look back on my dad, he was much like me. He, he built a cabin on a lake uh, by himself. Wow. He'd never built one before. and plumbed it and did all the electrical on it and stuff. He was a woodworker, a real estate agent. He was a sheet metal guy. He ran my mom's two beauty salons in the area where we grew up. So he was a businessman. He was a springboard diver, Korean vet, you know, from the Korean conflict. And he was just one of these guys that really believed in, uh, if you, if there's a book on it, you can learn how to do it. So at a young age, he taught me that, that if you want to learn how to do something, find a book on it and read up on it. Of course, that was the days before YouTubes and and that's what I did my whole life. I just thought, well, okay, I, there's things I want to learn how to do and vary a variety of different things, you know, and I think maybe I learned a lot of that from him. Well, I do salute your father, and he's looking down on you and, and saluting you as well. I mean, you, I guess 
you know, so you got the diagnosis, you thought you might have wanted to become a legal beagle, a lawyer, but you get some kind of spot in a Pepsi commercial. Is that where you got the acting bug? Oh, no. Actually, my sister, who I'm actually sitting out in front of their place right now. They're on Mason Lake in Washington State. We came down here from Vancouver to hang out for a few days. She's my older sister, and uh, she always thought, because I did junior high, I did drama, and I did some plays and stuff, so she always yeah. thought it was kind of my forte and something oh. I should really pursue. No, I mean, I'm from Seattle. Nobody does acting for a living. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. Mine, but there was a small acting school that was starting in Seattle that was an adjunct to a modeling program, their agency and stuff. And they were giving out a scholarship to four people, like six months, free drama training, whatever. My sister signed me up for it, unbeknownst to me. And when it came time to go down and audition for it, I went down there on, you know, she kept badgering me to go down there. So I finally went down there and... And I auditioned, and I, was, I couldn't believe it because there was there was probably you know five six hundred people lined up around the block to get wow. into this program that had some training behind him and stuff. So I almost blew it off, but I went in. I actually went in to go to the bathroom. I ran into one of the guys that was running the special. <laughs> Thank God for a, like, for a, uh, not a strong bladder, right? Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. It's funny. My whole life, all my breaks seem to have revolved around a urinal. It's very weird. Uh, I can go on and on with things that take business meetings that went down in, in some very strange places like that. But long story short, um, she uh, she was really the one. When I got that scholarship to that program, and then we went on this like sort of uh, Seattle Today. It was like a morning talk show thing, and we did the scene. It was horrible, way overacted, and but it was my mm-hmm. first real brush with professional television in front of a live audience and the camera and i was fascinated by the behind the scenes and how it was all artificial and yet it came off so live and i was like wow this is really cool you know and so when i started delving into it a little bit more i started more and more fall in love with it so when i decided when i got a, when i when i was in business school i just i didn't go right back into school and start studying for law i wanted to take a year out and see if i could make the, the acting thing happen so i packed the bag 183 dollars and went south to la and the rest was history Stayed in a baseball park for a couple of nights because I didn't have any money for a hotel. And it was weird. It was, a, it was a strange little journey to get to where I am now. Really different. So what's your sister's name? we got to give her a shout out because she's the one who got you started. She got you on this wonderful affliction of acting. It's Sherry. Sherry McGrady. Sherry Wills now. But yeah, she was she was really the, the impetus the, behind this mad journey that I embarked upon. <laughs> and thank God I, I kiss her daily and tell her. Thank you, thank you, because I, I've lived an amazing life because of my profession and traveled and so thankful for her and, and her, you know. Yeah, sisters rock. I got to tell you, I got a couple and they rock, so you're very blessed on that. Yeah, now, so we're going to get back into some of the stuff you have done, but let's talk about what you are doing right now. Now, folks, you know him. He plays that not-so-good uh, FBI agent Frank Barnes on Showtime's Ray Donovan. You kind of work with some dude named, you know, somebody won a Golden Globe, Lee Schreiber, whatever, Oscar winner, John Voight. But you're also Tom Matthews on Freeform's new hit show, Beyond. Let's talk about both shows and how do you get into two different characters at the same time? I'm proud of both shows, actually. You know, uh, Ray Donovan, I did the very first season of the show, and it was really was supposed to be a one-off, like do a couple of episodes and then mm-hmm. be killed off, because everybody gets killed <laughs> off on that show. Eventually. Oh, yeah, that's for sure, and yeah. I was just very fortunate. They loved the character. They loved what I, they really liked what I brought to the character, and they started to write a little storyline, you know, for me on the show, and then five years later, I'm still on it, and having just a wonderful time. I mean, the, 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 the lady who created the show, she's no longer on it, but she created the show Southland that I did, too, 
Anne Bitterman. Oh, She's right. incredibly talented. She also wrote the movie Primal Fear with Edward Norton, and uh, I think it was Richard Gere. Yes, she's right. got. She's just a writer. She writes great characters. So when they asked me to come on board Ray, of course, I jumped on it because I'd worked with Anne previously in the other series. And it's just been a wonderful experience. But, you know, playing the anti-hero or sort of the, the bad guy, so to speak, within the cloak of a good guy profession, the FBI and whatnot, has been a really fun thing. And, of course, working with Liz, been, uh, I've learned a lot just watching him and working with him and John and the caliber of directors that they have come in to work the show are all film directors or highly acclaimed television director. So you're working with some of the, you know, really the cream of the crop across the board, all the crew, sound, grips, makeup, hair. They're all the best of the best. And and then I've been very fortunate with Freeform because when they came to me with that offer, they said it's an opportunity to play a dad. Well, I'd right. never played a dad, but once before, years and years and years ago, and I thought, God, you know, I am a dad. I've never really played <laughs> a dad before. And I thought, I jumped on it. My agent said, you know, it's a younger audience. Freeform is trying to rebrand. It was, you know, ABC Family. They kind of want to go more cable, a little darker material and, and a little mm -hmm. grittier storylines. And, and it's a great role. It's a, it'll introduce you to a whole new demographic, a younger demographic, you know. And um, oh, yeah. it's the role of the father. And here's, here's the script. And I read it. And I, I said, this is the, guy, the pedigree behind it with Tim Crane, who, of course, the you know, was the man behind Heroes. And he That's had a right. successful run with that show. He's also one of the guys behind ours. Our showrunner is a great showrunner from Battlestar Galactica, David Icke. And he comes from, uh, he's seasoned that. And the show has been just phenomenal. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I love working with the kids on this show. They're all up-and-coming Hollywood actors that are going to be the next breed of standouts, you know. And so I've been very fortunate to kind of lock onto that early on in their careers. So tell the folks, the listeners, what's the premise on Beyond? What's the storyline for them? Well, we have a son. He, at 12 years old or so, he gets, in a, gets into a motorcycle accident, and he goes into a coma. Mm -hmm. 12 years later, he wakes out of this coma, and he really, his muscles have not atrophied. He actually has memory. In fact, as the series unfolds, you find out not only does he have memory, but he has these flashbacks. But his memory is consisting of actual events that took place in a parallel universe during those 12 years, which is why he's not atrophied. His body has laid dormant, but his soul and everything else went to a different place called the realm where he's been living for the last 12 years, kind of like living the existence of somewhat like of a Hunger Games thing where he's... Right. People are after him. And there's government conspiracy. There's these people that want to round him up and others just like him and get to them before anybody else can and find out what they know. And uh, there's some supernatural stuff involved. And the family, our family gets turned upside down because of these superpowers that he finds out he has over time. And he has to start thinking about how he's going to use them responsibly. Of course, it, there's so many places this show goes, but it hits what's going on now. The sci-fi thing is hot right now, and it hits the sci-fi. There's fantasy involved. So you have some of the Game of, the, Game of Thrones kind of vibe to it. It's a young group of young up-and-comers that are very appealing in their own way. They're both, they're all very talented. The boys and the girls are incredibly talented. And uh, everybody that guest stars in our show is talented. So I actually think it's a show that's going to have a lot of legs. And for me, having played Frank Barnes and a lot of, you know, some unsavory characters over the years, it's nice to just play a nice guy and a, and a dad on a show. You know, it's fun. Yeah. And we shoot in Vancouver, but Vancouver is a gorgeous town. Yeah, and it's near your home, so you you don't have a long commute, right? That's yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that that's it. You know, yeah, we're up there like four months out of every uh, summer shooting the show, and then we go back down to California when it starts to rain. So I got no complaints. 
All right. Hey, guys, we're speaking with Michael McGrady, the actor. He does play that not-so-good FBI agent, Frank Barnes, on the show Ray Donovan that airs on Showtime. And as he was just telling you, he gets to finally play a dad, Tom Matthews, on Free From's uh, new hit. It's called Beyond. And so you got to check him out. He's got range. He's got legs. And he also has a cat and dog, which we're going to find out after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Joyce DeWitt. You may remember me from Three's Company, inviting you to have the good sense to tune in to the adorable, amazing Arden Moore on Behave on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and I'm really delighted that we have actor Michael McGrady here, man in a mic. You're doing great, man. You have done many things. I mean, the one thing I was really impressed with, I'm an ex-sports writer, is you played Lou Gehrig in The Babe opposite John Goodman, and you tell the folks what you had to learn how to do to play Lou Gehrig. Yeah, <laughs> they'd ask me if I'd... Uh played any hardball recently and I lied because I wanted the job so bad and I said yes I had when in fact I hadn't well they called me a couple of days after I got the gig and they said we're going to get some people together some of the ball players together and do some batting and some throwing the ball and stuff and we want Michael to come out to to join us and I think I had about maybe I think it's actually three or four days to uh, prepare so I went down to a batting cage and thought I would just go right in there and step in and start hitting balls, but uh, I couldn't even hit a, a 30 mile an hour baseball right-handed, let alone left-handed. I was just scared out of my wits. <laughs> oh, no. And I thought once out that I was lying, they'll never give me this job. But long story short, I hooked up with a friend of mine who's a baseball, kind of a stud in baseball, and he took me into the, the batting cage. So when we went out for the tryouts, more or less, I faked it predominantly faked it all the way through. In fact, I think I might even got to be able to skip the batting portion of it. But when we started doing the movie, they uh, they hooked me up with a couple of pros, and uh, they started working with me. And by the time the movie started, yeah, I was hitting 90-mile-an-hour fastballs in the cage. Left but with your opposite hand. hand, you were doing left-handed, right? You're righty, right? So you you were hitting them 90 miles yeah, with left- your opposite and, and here's the odd thing. This day, if I'm playing in a baseball game or a celebrity softball game or something, I always hit left-handed. I cannot hit right-handed anymore. I'm a oh my gosh. hitter now because I was so well. But you also had to learn to throw lefty, didn't you? Yeah, to throw. We didn't have to use any of that 
footage in, in the movie, but yeah, I had to learn how to throw, and of course, you know, pick up a lot of uh, Lou Gehrig's mannerisms. I watched a lot of uh, a lot of tape and old films and stuff on him and Babe Ruth together, and kind of watched the way he, you know, the way he moved and how you know he, how he existed in space and and whatnot. And that was a lot of fun. Read a lot of books, saw a lot of movies like Pride of the Yankees. Just the research to play someone like that who's a historical figure, I find always a lot of fun, very rewarding. So it was a rewarding experience, no matter how much it was hard work in many ways, both physically and mentally, but gosh, it was sure, sure a spectacular experience, so it was well worth it. Well, you are not only a renaissance, but it sounds like you're a resourceful man, too, because you learned, you knew what to do to find the person to give you the skills to do it, and you did your homework on Lou Gehrig, so I salute you for that. Well, thank you. That's actually a kind thing to say. I appreciate that. Well, I'm a pretty kind person. People say that, you know, whatever. But let's talk about your pets. Now, when you're playing a role like Frank Barnes, and then you get to play Tom Matthews, and you play all these different characters, and sometimes you're a detective, sometimes you're a good guy, bad guy. But what do your dog and cat, how do they help you kind of keep yourself grounded? And, and tell the listeners a little bit about the cat and the dog, their names, a little 411, if you would. Okay, terrific. Well, okay, first of all, we've got a little kitty. Her name is Kitty. Her name is really Coco, but for some reason, Kitty just stuck. She's about 12 years old. She was a little rescue cat that my uh, oldest daughter brought home. A friend of hers was giving these cats away, and, and she brought it home, and my wife being a huge cat lover. I was never really a cat person because we never had cats growing up. We had dogs, but uh, mm-hmm. I agreed to have the cat. My wife wanted her so badly, and now she's just... She's family. In fact, we take her and Cassie, which is the dog we have, which is a five-year-old Australian Shepherd, with us up to Vancouver every summer when we shoot. And we get a house that's got a yard, so they have, a, you know, she has a place to go to and and stuff. But our pets are really like family members. They, you know, I know everybody says that, but they really truly are. We don't like leaving them alone. We know people say, well, you can leave cats alone for a full day and stuff. Well, we actually hire someone if we're going away for a couple of days to go in and pet her and play with her and feed her and give that's her. That's important. Energy. Yeah, it's very important, you know, and of course, Cassie's just this beautiful, uh, she's not the Merle Aussie, she's the other one, I think they're called Blues. Yes, yes. With the Uh eyes and stuff, and she's got beautiful coloring, really soft coat, kids love her, people love her, she's just a really sweet dog. We didn't dock her tail, we didn't Mm -hmm, feel we wanted to do that because we knew we weren't going to show her, so we let her grow her tail out, and which is really wild because she uses that thing to communicate pretty pretty regularly. You can just tell, you know, even with us, we kind of know her mood by where she's got her tail placed, you know. And but yeah, you know, for me, I mean, if I come home from a rough day of work, if I come home um, stressed out or whatever the case may be, as soon as I get with my my two furry ones here, it uh, the stress just dissipates almost immediately it's they put you right in perspective and they're unconditionally loving you all the time and they're right there you know and i know i think of all the conversations i've had well of course one-sided mostly but (laughs) (laughs) with my pets to to get to a place of peace and harmony i don't think i can count them on you know 50 toes and hands and just because that's the big joy for us and that's the big reward of having pets and being close to them and taking care of them you know they take care of you too right Oh, heck yes. I have a, a dog and a cat. I actually have two dogs and a cat. One dog is retired as a surf dog. Her name is Cleo. And now I teach pet first aid with uh, a rescue named Kona, who's a Jack Russell rescue. And a, the only cat in the country, an orange tabby named Casey, who teaches pet first aid with me. 
and purrs like a Mack truck. So I totally know, Michael, what you're saying, because I'm blessed. I got a couple of shelter alums, and I think they bring our A game up to a new level, don't you think? Yep, I agree 100%. I really do. We were just talking about that, that, you know, we wouldn't mind getting one more dog possibly. And we Mm -hmm. were thinking about going down to the shelter and and taking a look at uh, what's down there and see uh, see what's available to us, you know, because we really just, we enjoy these two. We've had them for a while and and, uh, they just, yeah, they bring a lot of joy. We had two turtles too so recently. We couldn't take them across the border in Canada. It's illegal. Oh. couldn't find anybody to take them. They were my sons, and he went off to college. So we had those turtles for about three years. You know, the $5 turtle, it turns into the yeah, $5,000 yeah. investment habitat. Got <laughs> yeah, the- two turtles on me. go, look, Dad, I got two turtles for $5. They're like the size of a quarter. And I go, oh, that's great. Look, this is all they need is this little Tupperware thing. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. So well, let's go get them some food. So we went to Petco. I think it was PetSmart. One of them we went down and walked in and asked the girl about food. And then she started talking about habitats and 20-gallon tanks and eventually a pond. And I looked <laughs> at my son. I said, are you listening to this? Those yeah, $5 yeah. turtles are going to cost you. <laughs> no wonder you're no wonder you know, you're so busy as an actor. You've got to keep the gigs to feed the turtles. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. You know, so it's been kind of a joke in the family. You know, they've they've been the most expensive pets we've owned. Actually, those turtles. Well, you know, we talked but, about uh, the impact that pets have on your life. And before we wrap the show up, we do want to talk about. Yes, he also's in a band. It's called Michael McGrady's Sonic Groove. So tell us about your band, what the music style is, and uh, you're a guitarist now. See, another part of being a Renaissance man. Yeah, I play guitar. I've been playing it since I was 10, and uh, it's it's kind of, in a way, my religion. I mean, it's uh, things, something I've always used as a means of tapping in, I guess, to my inner world to see where I'm at. And I've shed tears over playing that, plucking away on strings, and I've I had a lot of laughter and had a lot of insights and even a few decent songs have come out of these little solo sessions where I just, you know, like when I'm on location doing a movie and I travel and I'm sitting in a hotel, nothing to do. I'll spend two, three, four hours just plucking away on my guitar. So it's always been a very private thing. And then about two years ago, my wife had heard me singing some songs in our front room. And she said, why have you ever sung in front of people? And I said, you know, we like a couple campfires here and there. And you should mm-hmm. really should take that somewhere I and mean, maybe form a band one day. And I kind of blew it off, but it just so happened within a couple of weeks after that, I was in conversation with a couple of my buddies I played basketball with, and I found out they both play instruments. So uh, one's a guitar, lead guitarist, and the other one's a percussionist. We got together, we started playing songs, and within three months, we had 30 cover rock and roll acoustic songs and some ones that I've written. Um, oh, my gosh. We LA scene, and uh, we had about nine gigs last summer. And, nice. uh, and uh, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Just a bunch of old codgers just getting up live and, and playing the, the L.A. scene, you know. And, and we were very well received from day one. And we just figured we'll keep playing and keep doing it until we get burned out on it, you know. And uh, they keep no, I think it's and we keep going. Well, you got to call Kevin Bacon. Then you won't be six degrees and you guys can play a gig set together, too. There's a lot of good actors. Well, that seem- enough, Kevin Bacon was a big inspiration for me. I saw Kevin. I've seen. I know that Russell Crowe has a band, and John right. Johnny Depp has bands. There's a lot of lot of actors that have bands, and these guys were my inspiration. Jared Leto's got an amazing band, and I thought, you know what? I want to get a band together. Why not? Why not me too? Yeah. So when we did, you know, 
and we just really lucked out, and people really responded to the music. So when we play covers, we play unique covers that you're not necessarily entirely familiar with, but they beat them into the ground in the 60s and 70s. Okay. Uh, the songs are like more beast songs, and then we make them our own. We don't really usually stick too close to the original. We kind of veer off the, the beaten path, as it were, and kind of do our own version of it. So people hear the song, they can be halfway into it, and then they realize, oh, that's what's that's the Purple Haze by Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. This is our version. So, the way it's kind of like doing uh, our own music, but not. You know, you're doing classic music that's already been tried and true, but you're doing it in your own way and putting your own spin on it. So, there's a creativity to that that we, we all find very fulfilling. Well, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little better, Michael. And, folks, this is Michael McGrady. And as you know, he's on Showtime's Ray Donovan. He's also on the new freeform hit series called Beyond. And, you know, he played in the American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Let's just run down some things. Rage with Nicolas Cage. You were in The Perfect Family with Jason Ritter. Wyatt Earp opposite Kevin Costner. I mean, there's a long list. But the dude hang glides. He knows karate. He's a good family man. He loves his cat and his dog. You are a renaissance man and a wonderful man. How's that, Michael McGrady? Oh, God, I gotta go crawl under a rock now. I can't live up to that. <laughs> even close. Well, before you I, go... I, thank you so much, by the way. I've had a great time. It's really nice chatting with you and, and, and just keep pushing whatever, all the things you're doing, all the good things you guys are doing because we need more and more of it. Well, do you have any parting advice to give our listeners on the impact that our pets can make us better people? Oh, goodness. Just love them up. I mean, seriously, love up the ones that aren't even yours. You know, you see a dog, you see any kind of pet out there, and there's an opportunity to hold it, love it, make it feel your your spirit, you know. Just do it because they're just like people. They need all the same things we do, and it just breaks my heart that there's so many animals out there without homes that have to roam the streets for food and and whatnot. It's sad, you know. So, uh, yeah, I say treat dogs with a golden rule in mind, just like you do people. That would be my best advice. That sounds like great advice. And at this time, too, I want to thank Mark Winter. He is our producer of all the shows on Pet Life Radio, and we have a reach of over six million for our shows. So he's been doing good things. He is the true wizard of pause. And I also hope you guys can follow me on Facebook. Just go to Arden Moore. That's an unusual name. Thank you, Mom, for giving me that name. And on Instagram, Arden Knows Pets. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.